Good morning. Well, today we're, we're going to continue in Mark chapter 9, uh, starting in, in verse 9. So um, I want to turn in your Bibles. But last week we saw that um, we saw Jesus taking his, his inner circle, these, these three disciples, James, John, and Peter, up, up, to, up to the mountain. <coughs> and, uh, you know, there he, he gave them a, a glimpse of his glory in the uh, transfiguration. Remember, he was there with uh, Moses and Elijah. And, you know, what, a, what an incredible mountaintop experience this was. You know, Jesus gave them a, a glimpse. He gave them a, a, a revelation of himself as, as the ultimate prophet and, and lawgiver, the, the son of God. You know, he, he revealed himself as the Christ, as the uh, promised Messiah that, that they've been waiting for. And this, this was six days after Peter's... Uh, answer to the question that, that Jesus posed to the disciples. He, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And uh, Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. Yeah, truly a mountaintop experience. And, you know, as, as, as we talked about last time, we, we can't stay on the, the mountain forever. Uh, the mountaintop experiences are, are great. They're, they're sweet and they're wonderful. But, uh, you know, as Jesus had a mission down in the valley so do we so do we we need to come down and do the job that Jesus had for us and uh, in today's text we're going to we're going to look at the importance of of faith you know trusting in in Jesus uh, even when and uh, especially when faith is difficult you know we need to have faith when you know the pieces of our knowledge uh, don't all seem to fit together we need to have faith when when believing is is difficult you know some, sometimes faith is is hard and we especially need to have faith when when it just seems like things are getting worse rather than better so let's uh let's pick up in mark 9 9 where jesus and these three are, are coming down from the mountain uh, read in your bibles with me as they were coming down the mountain he charged them not to tell anyone what, it, what, he had, what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And so they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written that the Son of Man, that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they did it to him. They did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. So the first point is, we need to have faith when the pieces don't don't seem to quite be fitting together. And, and we we can see that in that passage. You know, I'm sure that uh, what what these three had seen was a lot to process. Jesus tells them, don't, don't speak of this experience until, uh, until he's raised from the dead. And so Peter, James, and John, they, they just seen Jesus uh, in his glory unveiled. And uh, he, Jesus tells them, well, don't tell the other disciples. 
And, you know, apparently Jesus considered these three ready to see that, but maybe maybe the other disciples weren't quite ready yet to see this uh, dramatic uh, disclosure, this dramatic revelation of, of his glory. And, uh, you know, obviously even these three don't really quite see the full significance of it. They don't grasp this. You know, the passage, remember, says that Peter didn't know how to respond it said that the disciples had been terrified. You know, and they and they really wouldn't understand till till later, you know, once Jesus' glory had been revealed by being uh, resurrected from the dead. So so they keep it to themselves as Jesus requested. They discuss it among themselves what Jesus might mean by being raised from the dead. That was confusing them as well. You know, this confused them in the same way that Jesus, when he spoke to Martha, confused Martha about uh, Lazarus, her brother, when when he had died. Remember, Lazarus, uh, when he died... uh, laid there in the, in the tomb for, for three days. Jesus didn't show up until he'd been dead for, for three days. And Jesus tells Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, yeah, I, I know he'll rise again in the, uh, the resurrection on, on the last day. You know, the Jews believed in a, a general resurrection of the dead in the last day in, in which there would be a, a final judgment. But... You know, they didn't, uh, they didn't really consider that a, a, per, a personal resurrection could happen to people before that. Well, Lazarus was raised, and Jesus would be raised. Uh, this stuff's difficult for them to comprehend. You know, the pieces aren't really quite fitting together. And it's kind of interesting, rather than going to Jesus and asking him to clarify this, they're talking amongst themselves. You know, the, the wheels are turning in their minds. You know, what, what did Jesus mean by that? Being, being raised from the dead. You know, here they just seen Moses and Elijah. They learned that before the Messiah comes, Elijah must first appear. Uh, in the last three verses of the Old Testament, in, in the book of Malachi, Malachi 4, 4 through 6, we, we, we see... Moses and Elijah both mentioned. It says, remember the law of my Moses, or my servant Moses, the statues and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he'll turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So... What's going on? You know, they're, they're confused. They're confused about the time frame, but you know, according to the scribes, Elijah would come first. He's supposed to come first. And so the disciples are stumped here. You know, they still haven't grasped the idea that even though Jesus told them this, that he would suffer, he would be rejected, that he would die and be raised from the dead. You know, maybe... Maybe it's because they didn't quite understand it that Jesus was just saying, well, let's just, let's just keep this quiet for now. You know, it'll, it'll make more sense to them once Jesus is resurrected. They'll be able to look back and go, oh, yeah, yeah, 
you know, they're listening to the teachers of the law. They're listening to, the, to you know, the opinions of the, the scribes, uh, not to Jesus. You know, the scribes interpret Malachi to say that Elijah would appear first before the Messiah comes. The scribes hope that this day of the Lord will, will usher in God's kingdom on earth and that the uh, oppressing Roman government will, will be vanquished. It was because of the teaching of the scribes that many thought that uh, Jesus himself was Elijah and that uh, perhaps his arrival was a sign that the true Messiah would come. They didn't, they didn't see him as the Messiah. The disciples are confused about what Jesus means by rising from the dead and, and how that fits into the timeline. You know, if, if Elijah comes before the day of the Lord when the Messiah is to come, how can the Messiah be dead and need to be resurrected? You know, all this, all this stuff swirling around. They, they don't understand it. They're confused. And, uh, yeah, Jesus just keeps reminding them. He says, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised from the dead. You know, we'll, we'll see in, in the Gospel of Mark that he, that he tells them this three times, but they're not hearing him. You know, Jesus does not disagree with the scribes about Elijah coming, but he clarifies the matter, you know, saying that Elijah has already come, but not in the manner that they thought he would. And he's speaking of John the Baptist. We know that from Matthew. Well, anyway, Jesus and the disciples had come down from the mountain. You know, they had been utterly astounded at what they saw there. Jesus glorified. Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah. You know, he, he's shining brightly. His, his clothing is radiant. You know, I think Jesus allowed them this experience so that maybe they could at least start to put the pieces together, the Old Testament prophecy about the, the Messiah being fulfilled before their very eyes. Yeah, but yet there was still confusion. The pieces hadn't quite come together yet. Yeah, it'd still be some time bef- before they did. You see why they were confused? You know, even, even today we're, we're waiting we're waiting for the, the, the fulfillment of a prophecy that hasn't come about yet. You know, we, we wait, we, we yearn for, for the second coming of Jesus. And even today, we, we need to be mindful that, um, you know, there, there are pieces that still maybe don't quite fit together. There's... You know, some some teachings swirling around that may not be quite right because there's a lot of people saying a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, every, every, it seems like every few years somebody gets a lot of attention in, in the press, in the media, uh, you know, thinking they, they've calculated the exact day that, that Jesus is coming back. And uh, whenever... Whenever, they, whenever this, this happens, uh, it doesn't happen. You know, that day comes and it goes. And these people are discredited. Their ministries are discredited. The whole point is we need to have faith. We need to have faith 
even when there's a certain amount of uncertainty about how things will play out. You know, we, we, need, we need to have faith even though we don't completely understand. We need to seek to understand. We need to search the scriptures. We need to do our best to harmonize the, the passages of, of prophecy. But as Paul says, you know, still we, we see darkly. You know, things have not been revealed to us with, with utter clarity yet. And... Um, you know, another thing we can point out here is is there's a, a human tendency for us to have uh, what's called Bible amnesia. This can cause confusion, you know, because we we tend to remember the really good things in the Bible, and uh, you know, the things that that deal with uh, difficult things such as suffering. We maybe don't like to think about those as much. Uh, you know, had had the disciples had a good grasp of the Old Testament prophecy, they, they would know that, in fact, the Messiah was going to come as a suffering servant. You know, if they were familiar with Isaiah 53, which they probably were, they just had blinders on. They'd know. They would know that he would be beaten, that he would be mocked, that he would suffer, that he would die for our sins. But they tended to selectively think about those passages where Jesus, the Messiah, would come as a victorious warrior and, and, and rescue them from, from their oppressors. You know, aren't, we, aren't we much more likely to wear a t-shirt that says all things work together for good? Or... How about, you know, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him in the power of, of his resurrection. I love that. But the second part, we, we that's from Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3.10. But the second part of that is that I may know him in the power of his, oh, that's, that's the first part, the power of his resurrection. The second part, and may, may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. You know, we, we tend to forget those those kind of kind of things. Those don't end up on our coffee cups. You know, we want to, we do. I mean, I we all want to think about the abundant life that Jesus promised, that he said he came for. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Uh, the, you know, the joy that we have in God. You know, as we read through the Psalms, you know, just what a beautiful picture of, of praise and joy and thanksgiving. These things are great, and we need to experience them, absolutely. But, you know, we, we don't want to experience grief and anguish and, and suffering. Those things are hard to come to grips with. You know, sometimes we, we don't understand why we suffer. It, it's, it's confusing, but we do. We do suffer, you know, and we do need to share Christ's suffering to share in his glory. The Bible tells us that. We need to really take the full counsel of, of God's word. And then we can say with the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, 11 through 14, I've learned in whatever situation to be, I, I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every, every circumstance, I have learned that the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There's a lot in there.
Now, as we, as we continue our text, you know, we see a, a, a stark contrast between what was happening up on the mountain as they were seeing Christ in his glory and then what came to pass when they, when they got off the mountain and went down to the valley below. You know, when Jesus and the disciples came down from the mountain, it had to have been difficult to, to reenter the world. You know how it is when you go on vacation, you go to a beautiful place, and you know, none of you here experience this, but we've lived in places where it was not really all that nice to go home, you know, and, and you, you drive in to, the, to town, you go, well, you know, back to reality. Living in here, it's a, it's a treat to come home. Anyway, uh, difficult to reenter the world for them with, with troubles, confusion that we're going to see here in a second. Look at what happens next, starting in verse 14. It says, when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, it immediately convulsed the boy. And he fell down on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. So we see Jesus coming with the three to where the other disciples were, and they, they just come across this very chaotic scene, very different from what they just left. You know, there's this crowd of people. There's arguing. Scribes are arguing with the disciples. Jesus asks, what's the argument about? The boy's father answers about his son. And his disciples were unable to cast the demon out of his son. As a result, we see a crisis of faith in the disciples. Crisis of faith. That brings us to our second point. We need to have faith in Jesus even when things are difficult. We see a lot of unbelief in this scene. You know, the scribes don't believe in Jesus. They they especially don't believe that the uh, disciples can do anything. 
Yeah, that's, maybe that's what they're arguing about. Mark doesn't tell us what, what the argument is. Yeah, but the, the disciples are unable to cast out this demon. And, uh, you know, that would, that would give rise to doubt in their minds. That would, that's their crisis of faith. You know, the father is afflicted by this. Uh, the father of the afflicted boy is afflicted himself by having his hopes dashed that, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the disciples, I'm sure, were very confident they could cast out this demon. They'd done it before. Now they can't do it. This man is probably experiencing a lot of hopelessness. You know, it's just a very chaotic scene, just full of unbelief, uh, unbelief everywhere, unbelief everywhere. The scribes, the disciples, uh, especially the boy's father. And this this boy had had this problem all his life. You know, it's just something he couldn't ignore. You know, the demon was trying to destroy this boy, casting him into the fire, casting him into the, the water, you know, and just day by day this must have seemed like an eternity to these parents. You know, tr- trying to keep him safe. Now he hears of this man, Jesus, and people are saying he can heal people. He can, he can help you. He can cast out demons. But when he got to where he thought he'd find Jesus, Jesus wasn't even there. His disciples were there. Jesus had, had gone somewhere else. Um, but that's okay. He'd, he'd heard that the disciples can do this too. You know, they, they'd healed people. They had, you know, no problems. So he asked them and they said, yeah, sure, we can do it. You know, no problem. But they couldn't and they didn't. You know, look at, look at Jesus' reaction to all this. He says, uh, well, he calls them a, a faithless generation. It's like, you know, none of you people have, have faith here. You know, I think he's talking to everyone present, including the disciples. There's, there's, there's a lack of faith for sure. And so, you know, the, the boy... The boy's father seems a little unsure when he asked Jesus, you know, if if you can do anything, have compassion and and help us. He's at his wit's end here, and Jesus answers him, if you can. You know, I'm sure he had a little smile there, a little twinkle in his eye. If all, all things are possible for one who believes. And I don't think Jesus was scolding or mocking when he said this. You know, I think I think he sees a little bit of faith there. You know, just like faith like a mustard seed, just just a little bit, a little bit of faith that has the potential to grow into into great faith. You know, we need to believe even even when it's difficult. And if our if our faith is weak, we need to take that weak faith to Jesus. We need to admit that. Our faith is weak, just like this man did. You know, lay, lay your doubts at his feet. You know, ask him, to, ask him to build your faith. Ask him to make it stronger. You know, it's, it's okay to admit when our faith is weak. We're, we've all been there. Let's look at the disciples now. They're, they seem really puzzled as to why they were, in a, they were unable to, uh, to cast out this demon. And Jesus you know, points out... To, 
points out to them something that's very fundamental. He you know, something that should be very obvious to them. Uh, look at look at verses twenty eight and twenty nine. When you enter the house, they they asked him privately, you know, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, "This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer." Ooh, you see what he's saying here. This kind, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. See, the thing is that the disciples are trying to do this on their own. They're trying to do it by their own power. You know, I got a little bit of pride from the success that they'd had in the past. They're not praying. That's implied by what Jesus said. You can cast this demon out because you're not, you need to pray. They're not praying. Uh, this, this is very arrogant, really. You know, they're going into spiritual battle. They're going against the powers of darkness, and they're not relying on God. Uh, do, do you see the defect here in, in their their thinking and in their actions? You know, their their faith is it's in themselves. It's not faith in God. You know, I, I guess. I guess we shouldn't be surprised uh, reading this that they were unable to cast out the demon. You know, our our faith is based on Jesus. It's based on his power. Uh, you know, when, when we say we're doing something in Jesus' name, what does that mean? You know, we, we pray in Jesus' name. We give, a, we give a cup of cold water to someone who's thirsty in Jesus' name. You know, there's, there's a few verses that, that Jesus talks about, you know, when you do this in my name. You know, we, we're doing it under his authority. Do you remember when uh, Jesus sent out his disciples earlier? and it, it says he gave them the authority to cast out demons. And they were doing it in his name. They were doing, they were doing it under his authority. They were invoking his, the, his authority, not their own. So now they're attempting to cast out demons in their own name. And it didn't work. You know, we, we really should not endeavor to do anything without praying. Let's look at what happens next. And uh, notice how when the... Uh, when, when Jesus casts the demon out of the boy, you know, it seems like the boy now is going from bad to worse. This gives rise, gives rise to the third point, which is this. We need to have faith in Jesus even when things are seeming worse. So, what does it say? He, he convulsed terribly. And then it looked like the whole process had, had killed him. You know, the demons had left him, and the boy's father must have thought, oh, oh, great, look at this. You know, Jesus got rid of the demon, but now my son is dead. You know, things things really look like they've gone from bad to worst. And, you know, for the for the moment, I'm sure this, this man's faith in Jesus was utterly shaken, severely shaken. You know, the people were saying he's dead. You know, that, that, that moment earlier, he, you know, his faith was beginning to well up. He trusted in Jesus to do this, but now it looks like to him, 
that Jesus failed. It says, you know, he, he looked, the, the boy looked like a corpse. You know, he's probably holding this, this boy who appears to be dead, according, according to Mark. Anyway, you know, it appeared that way until Jesus took the boy by the hand and lifted him up. You know, there's a principle here. And um, yeah, I think I think most, if not all, of us have have experienced this. You know that uh, sometimes things need to get worse before they get better. I think we've all experienced that. You know, we've many of us have maybe seen it with our our children if they've if they'd strayed from the Lord, strayed from the faith. You know, it looks like their their life is a a, a train wreck ready to happen. And then it does, you know, and you, you feel if they could just, if they could just turn back to Jesus, if they could just repent, you know, maybe things would, would be okay. Anyway, that's, uh, maybe that train wreck is what it took to them to realize that they need the Lord. They can't do it on them, on their own. But as a parent, it's heartbreaking. You know, sometimes we maybe find our situation where we or, or somebody else has a, a physical condition, a, a physical medical condition, and, and we ask Jesus to help. We ask him to, to heal that condition, to make it go away, and, and it doesn't, or, or it gets worse. You know, we need to believe. We, we need to just admit, Lord, I believe but my faith is weak. Help my help my unbelief. It's hard, you know. This is this is where our faith is tested. You know, in, in uh, the Epistle of James, verses uh, one, two through four, we're told to count it all joy. He says, "Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith." produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing and the apostle paul he was he was not a stranger to suffering and and pain yet he says in first thessalonians 5:16 through 18 rejoice always pray without ceasing Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, you know, how do we, how do we have this attitude? You know, having this attitude takes faith in in Jesus. Um, you know, we we. We can be glib about this, so I, I doubt if any one of us is going to say, you know, all right, I'm being tested. Yay. You know, this kind of testing can, can be very painful, you know, but in the, in the midst of our, our sorrow and our pain, we can take joy in our Lord. We can realize that God knows what's going on. We can know that God is at, at work. He can take any situation, use it for our good. Uh, and the, the testing of our faith can, can work wonders for us 
You know, it, it can bring us closer to God. It can take us deeper in our spiritual lives. But it's hard. It's hard. So we need to look to Jesus. We need to believe in him in these times. You know, we certainly need to pray. Um, sometimes we forget to do that. Sometimes sometimes it seems like praying maybe is, is our last resort when it should be the first thing that we do. Jesus is the first one we should go to. Yeah, but maybe we feel like, well, there's something that we can do to fix it. Maybe try to do things on our own power, just as the disciples had done in this situation. Maybe if we can say the right thing, maybe if we can do the right thing, uh, but but it doesn't work. We can't do it on our own. You know, just as when Jesus said, this kind only comes out through prayer. You know, maybe we can apply that principle to our own situation and say, uh, this this can only be fixed through prayer. This can only be truly fixed through Jesus. You know, we need to do our part. We need to be in communion with God. We need to trust him. You know, this this is the time to have faith. This is uh, when we need to believe, what we need to believe, even when things do seem to get worse. And... Uh, you know, some, sometimes maybe it's not our circumstances that need to change. Maybe it's us that needs to change. But we need to believe that all things work together for good who, for those who are called. Well, so this, this passage is about faith. Uh, not faith in ourselves. Not... Uh, Faith in some formula, not not faith in faith, but faith in Jesus Christ. You know, it's it's about having faith when when faith is difficult. You know, believing in Him when maybe things don't quite make sense. The the pieces are not fitting get together. Believing when belief is hard. Believing even when things are maybe getting worse. You know, and if if we're very honest, we're going to have to be like that that man, the the father of of the boy, and just say, "Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief." You know, if we're honest, we're we're going to admit that many times our, our faith is weak, and we need help. We've got to admit it. Let's. Uh, Let me ask, you know, what are, maybe what are some things that you're going through that, you know, where, where you need you need to go to the Lord and say, I will trust you. My faith is weak. I need, I need to believe you. Help my unbelief. So listen, Jesus, we, we all have to confess that our, that our faith is weak sometimes. Many times we, we have to admit that our, our knowledge is complete and sometimes we find ourselves in uh, circumstances that uh, put us in a position where believing is, is difficult. Um, 
And sometimes, Lord, the the circumstances just do seem to get worse before they they get better, Lord. Uh, We know that the testing of our, our faith is for our good. You tell us that and that we should rejoice in that. Uh, Lord, help us. Help us to grow and mature in, in our faith. And uh, Lord, we, we just come to you. We come to you asking for, for your help, Lord. We, we say, Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Lord, we ask you to give us faith. Just that mustard seed that you can grow into a, a full and complete faith. And, and we, we can be confident, Lord, that, that you'll answer us. Lord, we're thankful. And we love you, Lord. And it's in, it's in your name we pray. Amen.